Tim Williams' background story. What exactly is the director of business development? <laughs> um, the title that I made up. No, is that a title no. you made up? No, it's um, it's basically, you know, at, at Flaherty Insurance, I was you know brought in to figure out, you know, one grow their business, yeah, figure out you know what what's there, and so it, that's partly production in there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, bringing in, ac- acquiring new customers, also looking at acquiring some talent, but also ways that we can improve our efficiency inside the insurance agency. So, you know, whether that be bringing in new vendors or looking at new insure tech products and how that may speed up our enhancement of who we have in there and how our workflows are done. So it's kind of a, a we created the position in, inside of there. Um, and fill a need. Jack of all trades. Yep, for yeah. sure. So tell us about Flaherty, Flaherty Insurance. Um, Flaherty Insurance has been around um, probably 30, 40 years. Uh, Dan Flaherty is the owner. He's um, out of Hanover. Um, his dad had, had started the agency, um, you know, and, and Dan had taken it over when his dad had passed, and mm-hmm. you know, in the 80s in that, in that range. So uh, it's a family business, um, you know, smaller type agency you know we have seven employees um you know but we we dan came from a background of underwriting at an insurance company from a different perspective and we both have different talents and we have you know a pool of people inside of there to uh to help us so how long you been there uh i've been there a little over two years prior to that i was with another insurance agency that was a a larger uh insurance agency that had 88 agencies around the massachusetts and um you know, I didn't like um, my role there was was limited because you're you at a bigger agency. You're you're pretty much specialized into one product and right. and not being able to uh, handle your customers as much, um, which is something I didn't want. I want to be able to do more for my clients and be able to interact with them and, and you know be able to offer them what I want to do. So what's your back? So what's your background? Are you from the area originally, or yeah, I'm a uh, lifelong Marshfield Are resident. You? I've uh, been here the, the entire 47 years of my life. Um, yep, I've lived in all sorts of parts of town, um, from right here near the high school down to Marshfield Hills, and now I'm currently over in uh, Fieldston. Okay. So. I, never, okay, I was always curious if you were if you were a lifelong Marshfield resident. I am. I am. You know, I. Uh, it's, it's it's a great town. So yeah. I mean, I wanted to come yeah. back. Um, so. So, so what's a, a what's a normal day for you? What's what's the typical work day like? Uh, my work day usually starts out, um, you know, it will work. You know, I'd say seventy percent of the time I'm working with um, personal clients, meaning they're not commercial. They're they're homeowners that have auto insurance or home insurance or flood insurance mm-hmm. needs, and um, reviewing their policies, seeing what needs they have talking with the carriers trying to figure out what the best fit is um, not every clients exactly the same and and, yeah. and going through there and then some of the times I'm working on businesses so I'll be I'll be you know reviewing a, a clients you know policy that they have up for renewal talking to the carriers talking to the underwriters um, trying to understand yeah. if their products fit and you know how they're gonna rate something so is what's what's probably the percentage of like business to personal that ranges from every insurance agency you know personally for me 
Mine's probably more like a 70-30 split, really? 70% personal, 30% commercial. Dan's probably more on the 50-50 okay. side. Um, so, it, yeah, but I'd say it's about 70-30 is where we come in on that. Something I've noticed is I'd say probably, I don't know, you, you can agree with me, disagree with me. It seems like maybe over the past, past several years there's been more interaction with the insurance broker and the, the customer instead of just the once a year, oh, here's your renewal sort of thing, or you're calling your insurance guy when you have a problem. It seems like there's been more relationship building in that industry. Um, they've. It's, it's interesting background, and you bring that up. I think there's uh, several different ways people approach it. You know, mm -hmm. it's um, the private equity markets kind of got into the insurance industry because they looked at, you know, give me an industry that's poor in customer service, um, that's got bad technology, um, and they started looking around and they said insurance, and uh, it's true, you know. And it, um, if you think back, you know, 20 years ago, or even when I first got my auto policy, nobody called me and, and explained to me what my coverages were. And I still think that goes on today a little bit, yeah. you know, with the Geico's and the progressives and the big guys. Yeah, because everything's kind of commodity driven and they're, it's price driven. So they're always save, save, save. We can save you 40, you know, 15 percent, mm -hmm. 15 minutes. It's all about speed. But no one is ever telling you about, well, you're not covered if you do it. You know, you're looking at this coverage or here's why you might want this coverage increased. Um, or you're going to so, walk through hell to get an answer. Right. So, you know, the industry is really changed on that and that level. And there has been a lot of technology improvements to it. So. It makes our job easier because we can do things faster. We can look at things, get rates. We can get claims. We can get you know losses history faster, and it's 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 changing the industry. So, um, it's a roundabout way. You, you know, um, yeah. it's there. I th it's also I think you know an industry where you're you're losing a lot of agencies. You know, there's okay. a lot of acquisitions. There's a lot of clients that are being bought by bigger firms. Right. And, and it's, it's not an industry a lot of young people are going into. Something I know you've been super involved in is flood insurance. Correct. You, I know you, and we're going to talk maybe a little bit more about some of the work that you do. So take us through flood insurance right now. What's going on? I mean, a lot of people in Marshall, they're going to be listening to this. A lot of them live on the coast or yep. are impacted. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, flood insurance just, it, I think when, when I first got into it, um, you know, it wasn't something people thought about. Um, it was kind of a hindsight thing. Mortgage companies weren't even really telling you you needed it. And if they did, you were getting a letter a year or two later after you bought the house. Hey, by the way, you need flood insurance. Um, yeah. And then they started getting fines because of the, the programs that were involved in it. Um, so and, and now that the premiums are larger and the increases are larger, I think everyone's aware about if they're in a flood zone, what they're paying, you know, and all of this. And, and we've seen the losses, too. So it's 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 not an issue that's going to go away. Um, and it it's it's complex. People don't understand the, the the program through the NFIP. And then the private market has has came onto the scene and started getting competitive in areas. And it's not it's not easy for the consumer to understand. And it's not something a normal agency is doing day in and day out. So there's a lot of misconception. I want to get back to private market NFIP for a second, but yep. I know, especially Marshfield where we're, where we are, you're probably, you're probably people calling you saying, 
I was told I need flood insurance. And it happened right. in my case. I live in the center of town. Sure. And when I bought my house, sure. you know, 10 years ago, they told me, oh, you need flood insurance. Right. Is, are you having those conversations with people saying, like, yeah, you do, according to educating on flood maps? And- yeah. So the flood maps are, you know, are basically a determination for mortgage companies to see if you need a re- lender-required flood insurance. Because um, I think when people think they flood insurance, they're like, I don't live by the water. Right. So that's one of the misconceptions is a lot of the claims out there are from it's almost 40 to 60 percent of the claims are outside of the flood hazard zone. So when I talk about whether you're in a flood zone or not, everybody's in a flood zone, but there's a special flood hazard area. That's Mm -hmm. a higher risk area. Um, So that's something that people got got to get a grasp on. So when you're talking about a 100-year storm, which I can't stand that terminology because everyone's like, oh, it's a 100-year storm. Yeah. Well, I've never flooded. And I'm like, well, your risk of having a house fire is 6% mm-hmm. of a 30-year mortgage. You know, okay. a flood, 26%. Really? Huge numbers. Big difference. That's why home insurance doesn't cover it. They know it's going to be there. So when we talk about flooding, it's not just your t- typical flooding that people in the coastline are going to have, but we're seeing these storms now with eight inch rain, 10 inches of rain, yeah. 30 inches of rain. And the development can't handle that storm waters, you know, drains, they can't handle that type yeah. of intensity over that short period of time. So, you know, you look at Harvey, which had a hundred inches of rain come through the entire state of Texas or, mm-hmm. you know, Houston area. You know, most of those people were not covered. Right. Take, you mentioned one of the, the things going on is the NFIP and the private market. Just just talk about that. Yeah, so, you know, I think Lloyd's of London has a syndicate, and there are very different people who will go to them to get their – put together their private insurance. Right. Um, and they have different models in the NFIP. The NFIP is, you know, kind of set – the rules are set up by Congress and how they – So that's know, a federally – It's a federally backed program. Okay. So – they, they can't react as, as quickly. So the private markets come in and they said, you know what? We, we see that FEMA's done a good job with mapping in here. But, you know, some of these areas we feel there's not as great a risk as they think, you know, in, in a certain area in this flood zone. Mm-hmm. We're willing to write that flood insurance and we can do it at a lower premium. So they'll come in in certain cases and they'll, they'll, they'll look at, a, a, you know, an area and say, well, we can offer you, you know, 40% less than what the NFIP is doing for this particular home because they're using things like LIDAR technology and they're seeing ground elevations and they can determine, you know, how high a house is versus what, you know, a normal map might not, you might right. not be able to see that this house is elevated versus another house. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where the private market has come, stepped up and come in there. Now, there are some pitfalls to the private market, obviously, because if you know, we have a super storm, Sandy, come up through Massachusetts and decides to wipe out, you know, Plymouth County. Um, they could decide to leave and say it's not profitable anymore. We're, we're out. And then you're going to have to go find flood insurance where the NFIP cannot leave. Right. So, you know, there's pluses and minuses yeah, to both. I say. So you're involved with the Mass Coastal Coalition. Yep. Tell, tell us about that. So it, it kind of started out of... Um, you know, here locally in yeah. Marshfield, uh, because the residents were during bigot waters, um, which was an act through Congress, you know, that we're uh, trying to raise flood insurance rates and do some things. There wasn't really an advocate for for residents, you know, to, to, 
to have a voice mm-hmm. uh, or understand what their policies or you know things are doing. So um, it started in Marshfield, and then as uh, we as a board who kind of started doing projects, we started having other communities approach us, and they all have the same exact problems. You know, how do we get the town to listen to us on a certain subject? How can we help the town develop a program? Um, you know. What what do we do about mitigation? Can, what what type of grants are available? So all of these issues, uh, you know, what what can we do after a storm? What can we do before a storm? So these are the things that we try and tackle at the Massachusetts Coastal Coalition. Um, so there's an element of it that's uh, for, it's definitely for the stakeholders. Um, we have political aspects where we're trying to lobby, and we have you know things that we're trying to help consumers out on and understand their policies, and you know that's kind of what it's grown into and it's continuing to grow <laughs> continuing to grow now aren't you involved also with the the town in regards to some of this coastal yeah so the the town has a uh, through the nfip and fema they've developed a program called the crs okay. which is a community rating system so crs is um it's it's a floodplain management tool so what they what they try and do is they say all right, here's our 1,200-page manual for every town to go through. I joke, but it is, it's pretty large. No, I, I believe it. Um, you know, if you take these certain steps, we're going to give you points for every type of thing in there. So in the CRS manual, be the things for mapping and elevation certificates or, um, you know, Marshfield's got a, quite a bit of open space. So if you keep that as open space, they give you so many points for that. The higher amount of points... In CRS, the steeper the discount would be for NFIP flood insurance policyholders. So there was a time Marshfield was a, had a 20% discount, um, and then it had fallen off, and um, they were out of the program. We came back into the program in Marshfield, and it's at 5% now. And um, we've been doing a ton of work um, for our five-year audit, which is coming up in two weeks, um, to get us to the the level of 15% discount, okay. which uh, we knock on wood, hopefully we'll have. Um, so we calculated that out and roughly there's about 2,500 flood insurance policyholders in Marshfield. We'd be saving them $300,000 total um, just by getting it from going from a 5% to a 15% discount. And it's helping the town get some floodplain management, you know, things in there to be a little bit more resilient. So it feels like all this is a full-time job basically. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, it can be a full-time job and you kind of have to take your time and figure out when you can, but does it kind of like help your, yeah, does it it help your real job? Yeah. It helps your real job because you get to understand, stay in the programs. You understand where they're coming from, you know, whether, whether it be FEMA or the NFIP or private, the logic behind what they're writing and understand their policies more. So certainly when we start, you know, diving into the analytics of a, exclusions on a policy or how to rate something, we understand it. We understand how to do it, you know. So it's definitely plays in Indust- local it. industry expert. Yep. <laughs> so we get into that, yeah, yeah, for sure. So I got to know you through the chamber, and I, I got to know your wife through the chamber. She works at the South Shore. Talk about some of the stuff you've done with the Marshfield Chamber over the past few years. Yeah, so we came done on. a lot. Yeah, I think we, we've tried to, you know. Um, so, the, you know, some of the stuff with the chamber, um, you know, I think we started to look at, you know, what are some of the bigger initiatives that 
the chamber can handle and, and do for this town, you know, help out these these small businesses and, you know, what are the businesses' needs, you know. I think the chamber's always done a, a great job at holding events and doing networking things, mm-hmm. and, and that's definitely an area of there. But there has to be a longer-term vision with, um, you know, making sure the businesses are viable in town and, and making sure that they continue to grow. Um, at the same time, you know, there's always a concern of overdevelopment from the town and, you know, you don't want, you know, to become a, a city yeah. either. You know, I think there's there's certainly that aspect mm-hmm. to it. So, you know, obviously we looked at, you know, how do we help out, you know, make this a place where people want to live, work, and play for that matter. And, and My keep favorite all phrase. It is, yeah, and it's true. You know, we have we the, this town's got so many different places to go and, and do. So, you know, um, we focused on the center first of Marshfield Center, Webster Square, um, and, and we've got an initiative that um, I think Lara probably talked yeah. about in the prior podcast. The walkability. Yeah, the walkability piece of it, because that's an area where it's got so much potential to be something greater. Um, not that it's not great now, right. but there, it's just, you know, when you start tying in, you know, the rail trails and biking and people, you know, the playground areas, and the, now they get a candy store in there and you mm-hmm. get Rexicana and Levitate holding concerts. Yeah. It's just a bigger area in there and the more people going there, we have to make it, you know, a place that people want to stay, mm-hmm. but also that they can walk safely and, and cross, you know, the streets and, you know, not get hit by cars. Right, or, yeah. I mean, because there's know. other communities that are, to have this kind of model in place. Yeah, and you're seeing a lot more communities go to these, these um, you know, mixed-use developments right. where they have, you know, uh, retail shops in the bottom with stores on, above them, you know. And, and, you know, Marshfield didn't do that at the time because it probably wasn't in the trend at the time. Mm-hmm. But that's something that could possibly be down the road if you ever looked at. There's some, some areas that would be perfect for yeah. that type of project. And connecting everything together. It was always my frustration yeah. when I was – the chamber president when you talk about economic development people with people and they'd be like oh you're gonna turn us into a city or something like that yeah, it's yeah. Like, no it's, that, it's that's route one not, saggus yeah, rah, it's route one, yeah no we're, no, we're not like because i remember yeah. having a conversation with the previous town planner and it's like what about like downtown you have like downtown situate rockport places like that where you can right. kind of take that model yeah and, it, and that gets into the initiative i think every town's facing whether it be the the water or the transportation issues and how do we get these <laughs> You know, how do we develop this without, you know, keeping our tax base and, and doing that? And right. that's some of the you know, challenges Marshfield's going to have is certainly on, you know, um, you know, being a coastal community and, and attracting businesses and keeping them in town. You know, it's they're going to have to find that revenue source and you can't ignore the industry, the, the commercial industry. Right. You know, it, it's, a, it's a balance, though. You definitely yeah. oh, right. told, told you want to kind of keep the the quaintness of the town, the character, but also, you know, you want to make sure that it's modern. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when you go to a chamber event, I'm just saying this from my perspective, you know, you could throw a water bottle and hit three insurance guys at least. Sure. Probably. Sure. So what separates Flaherty from everyone else? You know, what's that one big selling point? That's that big selling point you have. Yeah. I think it's a, it's about having your relationship with the client, you know, um, and, I, and, you know, their insurance agencies, all they all do a good job. I'm not going to knock anybody else out there. But, you know, my right. I don't want to take a policy or sell somebody a policy without them understanding it. 
I don't want someone coming back to, you know, call up and have Jonathan Grabowski call me up and say, why didn't you tell me this? You know, why wasn't my, my tools covered? Or, you know, why was, you know, I would have, I would have paid the $20 yeah. to have that coverage. So at least I, you know, I try and point out and explain the coverages so people understand it. And it's, insurance is not, uh, you know, a click of a button and going online and getting your policy. Yeah. It can be. Um, but you're going to have a, a problem down the road when you go to file a claim. Um, there's just no one's two situations are alike. So I, I chuckle when we go on forums and people say, use these guys. Well, what do you have? You know, yeah. Do you have a dog? Do you have, do you have losses? How far are you from the coast? Mm-hmm. You know, do you run out of business out of your home? These all things factor into what carrier might be the best fit for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and not every carrier is right for, for another one. So we try and use as many carriers as we can and find the right fit for that client. Um, and, it, and it's never going to be the same carrier for every person. Business know. is all about like referrals. What's, yep. what's the best referral for you? Yeah. Usually um, my referrals come from other customers. You know, they get to talk and they get excited of, you know, what I've done for them or, you know, the mm-hmm. experience they've had. Um, so a lot of my referrals will come from there. Uh, certainly there are other ones that, that come from your your industry experts, whether, you know, I'm referring something out to are a mortgage lender. Are there other businesses that are, that are good referrals? Like, you know, you, there are certain type of business people. Yeah, I have industry. a lot of, um, you know, a lot of realtors will give will mm-hmm. call me up because they, they're running into situations, especially with flood, um, you know, trying to find a solution for, you know, either the seller or the buyer mm-hmm. of that home. Um, and that's something we do quite often where we have a niche and, you know, understanding for, you know, that client or, you know, the potential buyer or seller, what, how can we fix that for them? You know, and we're able to provide that solution. Um, so that would be the big differentiator okay. between the other insurance agencies. Wrapping up shortly here, but I wanted to ask you two kind of fun questions here. Sure. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've been given from a business standpoint? Hmm. Or something someone taught you that you're like, that you really kind of really stayed with you and it's important to what you do. You know, um, I think for, for me, it was always own up to your mistake, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, you know, I used to see a lot of people that would try in the background to, to, to fix something and not tell something about the scenario in there. And that in our industry, that's huge, you know. So whether it be with a client or an underwriter or somebody like that, we, we try not to make them. But if we do, we're going to let them know, yeah. you know, and it's, and it's more about, you know, um, that piece and probably documenting everything that we've done. Mm-hmm. And that's not just for the risk of, of a, for the client, but also for the company. Um, you know, you'd be surprised at how many times if you don't write something down and say, hey, I spoke to Mary at 10 a.m. on the underwriter and she approved this. If I don't write that down and it comes back three years later and they deny the claim, that customer is going to have a problem. So those are probably the two best pieces. So on on a similar note, what's if you could jump back in the time machine and tell yourself when you first got started in the business something, what would you tell yourself? Um, I think when I first got in the business, you know, I, I kind of, I'd say trust people. Okay. And, I, and I don't mean that from the standpoint of trust everybody. I, I'd say it's exactly the opposite. 
Um, you know, do your own research. You know, certainly take the answer that you got, but make sure you're doing your own research too, because there's a you know the answer you get may be completely different than what in, from from that standpoint. So, well, thank you very much for joining us here today, Thanks. Tim. I appreciate you coming on. Let's talk business. Thank you. Appreciate it.